Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello Serie A fan. It's been a busy week in Italian football. Napoli go clear at the top, Atalanta break the touring curse, and Milan gets the swallowed. Not to mention the World Cup qualified playoff draw and the feds at Juventus. But naturally there's no time for nonsense, and definitely no time for long digressions about Maradona kits and Harry Redknapp, but we get round to it all the same. Plus beers, honourable mentions, and the easiest bad week award ever on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to episode number 62 of Scudetto. Um, now, I know I say this every week, but it really is a big episode this week. Loads of stuff going on, mostly on the pitch, but also some off-pitch drama as well. So let's keep the introductions to a minimum a minimum amount of nonsense, Baz. Um, but with that in mind, I think you wanted to tell us a, a short story from your evening. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I went to a show called Pacacucha this uh evening and it's the first time i've been out in a year and a half or rather since my son was born so it's nice to go on a date uh, it ended uh, fantastically first time you've been out or the first time you've been out on a date first time we've been out together since our son was born and uh, back just in time to record a podcast that is commitment and that's why you earned your honorable for 100 percent commitment last season to be fair, our time zones uh, allow me to be on a little bit later, but considering result, recent results, I almost considered pulling a sickie again today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'll talk about that shortly, but i um, honored to have you. And what are you drinking for this occasion? I've got uh, Beer Bazaar, everything is going to be all right, 5.6 ale. Should be good. Yeah, very topical, given the, uh, the first talking point about inter- Italy's international affairs but uh how about you kenny how are you getting on yeah not not too bad thanks oscar i uh wouldn't have uh, unlike boaz i wouldn't have missed this week's uh, episode uh for you know the opportunity to to gloat uh but uh yeah i've just been holed up in my house really uh so no no exciting outings for me but i have got my my hands on a podcast a thesaurus favorite uh, which is Drygit Brewing Company's Disco Forklift Trucked Ma- Mango Pale Ale. Uh, so that's I've, I've had it quite a few times, and it's quite good. So I bought it again. Good stuff. Um, and have you got your thesaurus out to give us some adjectives to describe the flavor and texture? Uh, I th- I thought you were going to ask me to get my thesaurus out to see if I could rename and rebrand this beer with uh, similes. Well, that could be a fun activity. But um, as I said, minimum. Let's nonsense. leave that for the Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I have got an Italian beer. Felt like they uh, maybe needed the moral support this week. It's uh, Birifico Angelo Poretti. I don't know if it's really Italian or if it's just branded as Italian. You ever heard it of is, that one? It is. Yeah, it is. Poretti. Yep. Okay. The classic. Anyway, it's smooth and aromatic according to the label. So um, let you know how that one goes down. Nah, it's a poor man's it. Moretti, unless they want to sponsor us, <laughs> in which case it's a great beer. 
That's how they came up with the name, Puretti. <laughs> Lovely. And speaking of poor Italian things, I think that's, um, I mean, we, we've already kind of covered the uh, course of events that led them to be in this playoff draw, but pretty, <clears throat> pretty tricky. Um, we were just talking about it off air. They're first up north in Macedonia. And if they win that, they'll be playing Portugal away. Um, or most likely be playing Portugal away, assuming that they win their first game, which is against Turkey. And and to and to be fair, even uh, going to Turkey is no uh, walk in the park. So yeah, I mean, it's just about as tough as it possibly could be, really, isn't it? The one team that Italy wanted to avoid in the draw was was Portugal, and not only would they have to face Portugal, assuming that they they make it that far, but they would have to play Portugal away. So. It's not going to be easy, but I reiterate what I said last week. The Italy have got to, you know, they're European champions. They've just, uh, they've yeah. just got to believe that they can beat anyone. Well, didn't Mancini say like they were trying to avoid us as well? And obviously, yeah, which that's is the fair enough. Exactly. You need to have, yeah. And and as I said, as just to reiterate myself as well, Italy only conceded two goals in the whole uh, qualification for the World Cup, so. It's a freak of nature that they are in this situation. In any other group, they probably would have already been automatically qualified. And uh, it's a little bit unfair that um, they now have to go away from home. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it should have been a neutral venue. But first, uh, they'll have to beat North Macedonia. And uh, we'll see. hopefully that's going to happen at, le- at the very least. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit more closer to the time. Um, but let's move on to the Serie A weekend because... It was a big one, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I guess we should start at the top of the league, um, which is now Napoli, who very now clearly at the top of the league after destroying Lazio. Kenny, it doesn't look like they're missing Osimhen or Anguissa at all just yet, does it? Incredible performance. No, I, I have to hold my my hands up and say that my my fears for for Napoli were appear to have been uh, unfounded because. They were absolutely incredible. They didn't miss uh, those two, uh, Anguissa or Ossiman. Uh, Dries Mertens was on absolute fire. Uh, and, I mean, they they just completely outplayed Lazio in, in every department. I mean, they were... Um, they, they looked hungrier. They were closing down quicker. They were moving the ball uh, faster and sharper. Uh, some Some great goals... And uh, second half, they kind of, well, they, they came out leading 3-0 and they kind of even had, they, they even had enough of a comfort zone to take the foot off the gas a little bit, but they didn't do it in a way where they, they sat back. They just completely controlled the game, slowed the, the tempo down a little bit and got the, the late goal as well, just to kind of uh, put the gloss on the on the scoreline. Uh, a really, really impressive performance. And you have to say, I think that is, uh, it's too early to talk about champions, obviously, but that is, I think, the sign of a champion. They all, they often say, you know, the sign of a champion is to, uh, is to win when you're playing badly. But for me, a bigger sign of a champion is that you get the game done early, uh, you put it out of sight, and then you just control the game from there on in. And you don't run yourself into the ground because you've got plenty of European football coming up and coming into the the Christmas break. Just really incredible, incredible performance. Uh, Possibly their best of the season. 
Uh, I mean, I, I say that having not watched all of their games, but I've watched a fair amount uh, of Napoli and uh, I haven't yeah. seen them uh, as impressive as they were in that opening streak. I haven't seen them be this dominant against one of the the top guns. So, yeah, a real marker laid down, I think. Yeah, is it fair to say that Lazio looked a little bit underwhelming as well, though? I, I think they've been struggling on the road quite a bit this season. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But also has to be said, to, in fairness to Lazio, that much as they were outplayed in that first half, they did have some uh, good opportunities of their own. Uh, and I, I think it was Spina on one occasion making a, a save from a wonderful Luis Alberto uh, effort as well. So, uh, yeah, they, they were they were below par and Immobile apologized to the fans for it afterwards as well. But uh, I think the story really from this game is just how good Napoli were. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Baz, did you want to chime in there? I saw you were talking, but I think you were muted. No, I was pretending to talk. But what what I do want to say... <laughs> <laughs> I was pretending to move my list but what I do want to say is touching on what Kenny said is that Lazio are incredibly inconsistent this year this was their second defeat in a row and also the third time they lose a so-called game against the the big eight or the the eight sisters as you mentioned it feels that in um, Sari's uh, tactics there there's a real need for some uh, wingbacks and the players that he's inherited like Patrick like uh uh Mausic and Lazari who are there they're they're just they don't really fit his uh his tactics and therefore they, they you know Patrick had a nightmare against Insigne in the first half and was probably yeah. taking off in the 45th minute uh, at half time so moving from the from uh, Inzaghi's 4-3-3 to uh Sarri's 3-5-2 is was pretty uh, it's pretty jarring apparently to the Lazio players yeah i mean you say that but i mean that was a, a choice of Sarri's right to put Patrick at uh, at right back, where Lazzari is the obvious choice if you want a a full back. I think he doesn't have a natural fit for these positions. I think I think the guys he has are either too offensive or too defensive and don't quite fit into what he needs from from his uh, wing backs. Yeah. Okay. One more thing I wanted to touch on this game before we uh, go on to Milan bars. Uh, we've discussed these uh, special shirts that Napoli players have been wearing before. Uh, I thought they, they looked quite good in the Diego shirts, but I was a bit confused by seeing the manager coming out in one. It was a, a curious choice, wasn't it? Well, w- once again, I get to say that uh, Spalletti is a pretty strange man. And uh, so <laughs> when a strange man does strange things, it's not that surprising. Uh, very, very, very amusing and bizarre. How are you feeling about the kits, though? I have to admit, I, I, I wish they could be, could be better. It feels like uh, it, it was done on uh, MS Paint circa 1995. Oof. And I feel that, you know, maybe a better photo could have been used, maybe something a little bit clearer. But perhaps there's regulations about what kind of stuff you're allowed to have on your shirt. And this is this is where they skirt it. I'm sure the stylists at Armani will uh, take your views into consideration. Yeah, what did you think, Kenny? I quite like those shirts. I think they're they're not maybe quite as good as the Halloween editions. <laughs> um, I, d- I don't mind it, to be honest. I think my main complaint is that I don't see why they needed to have three versions of it. Uh, that just seems like uh, outrageous um, sort of cashing in at the supporters' expense. But I mean, for for this game, had it been for this game uh, uh, alone, then it would have been quite fitting. But I have to share the amusement that uh, uh, Spalletti coming out with the uh, tracksuit top 
with the, the the shirt under it. All he was missing was like a hot dog, and he would have looked like it had been uh, <laughs> that time that Harry Redknapp called a, a punter out of the stands to to manage a Tottenham Hotspur game all those years back. Yeah, I was saying earlier maybe he just wanted to model it for the fans so they'd know what it would look like on them because obviously it <laughs> looks, looks very yeah. different. On, on, the, on, on a non-footballer's physique. Yeah, precisely. And all this, of course, when as, since we're talking about Diego, also comes in the week when the Diego Maradona statue was unveiled outside of the Napoli Stadium. I mean, it looks fine. It's not uh, It's not on the level of Cristiano Ronaldo's statue. But the one thing that's <laughs> weird is that... Uh, <laughs> The, the the one thing that's weird is that he's controlling the the ball with his right foot, which with his right leg. It's kind of uh, on his knee, which is kind of factually incorrect. But uh, I guess the artist didn't have millions of uh, photos and hours of footage to refer to. Yeah, well. I have to say I quite enjoyed Spalletti's ode to Maradona in uh, the press conference afterwards. Where it, I don't know, it was just really thoughtful. I mean, we kind of mocked him there for turning up with the with the Maradona shirt on. But you know what what he said about Maradona and what he meant to the players and how he raised the game of the players around him and how he, you know, had a way of being incredible, uh, being out of this world, but then having sort of uh, being able to connect with the the sort of everyday person. I, I mean, Ciro Ferrara, I think we've spoken about it before, but... Um, Ferrara, when uh, Maradona passed away last year, was on an Italian radio show that Boaz and I listened to. And he was saying how I think he, he bought, it was either himself or one of the other young players in the Napoli team turned was turning up to, on like a scooter to, tr- to training and things. And he basically bought him a car, uh, not like an amazing car or anything, but bought him a car to turn up in and things. And I think things like that, it's nice that Spalletti kind of referenced that he had that connection. And I guess that's what made him such a not not just obviously the greatest player uh probably uh, in the world ever but just made him such a good fit for for naples i think yeah definitely um and uh thanks for thanks for sharing that kenny I, i'm aware that i said we're gonna just be very on task on topic today and avoid any nonsense and then i just kicked <laughs> off a five minute <laughs> marathon shirt so all right i'll stop uh, rambling i'm sorry no it was uh it was a good tangent, but let's uh, get back on track now. And let's come to Milan's loss to Sassuolo. What did you make of this one, Buzz? I saw that in the press, there was a lot of plaudits going to Berardi and uh, Scamaccia um, and some, definitely some suspect defending uh, from Milan. But did you think it was a deserved loss? So contrary to what we said uh, in the last episode and, and previous episodes, in this past weekend, it felt like uh, Napoli's back line, the, the, let's say the, the players who are not in the starting 11, but coming straight in like Lozano, like Mertens, they, they were spectacular. Whereas the, the players Milan chose to substitute either because of injuries or because Pioli, for some reason, decided this was the match for a lot of rotation. In any case, they just weren't up to par. Milan started this game on fire. They were uh, in Sassuolo's area about five to ten times in the first 20 minutes. Unfortunately, more than half of those times were offside, particularly one Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who uh, is slightly slower than what he was in his good days. And so um, Sassuolo seemed to make a point of putting him offside, but really like a, a little bit smarter football and Milan could have been in front of the keeper. And the few times that he was able to uh, 
free himself. He he the his decision making wasn't fantastic. So overall, um, Milan did not were not stellar. But once they went one 0 up, you'd think this is the time to shut this game down. It, it's uh, you know you're playing at home, and instead uh, w- within three minutes, Kamaka scored what looked like a world goal, worldy, and uh, kind of a candidate for Kenny's goal of the week. But then if you kind of look at the bigger picture, he, he gets the ball. The ball is given to him by a Milan player. There doesn't seem to be any Milan player within five to ten meters from him. So yeah, he it's an amazing goal. I, I recommend people look check it out. Because he does kind of clean the cobwebs from the top corner. But, uh, I mean, it looks like a training ground goal. There's no one around him. And then Milan then conspired to score a known goal with Chiari, which is a little bit unfortunate. But it just felt like I said last week, where um, maybe mentally they were a little bit too cocky. Maybe they weren't uh, up for it. They were second best to every every goal. And um, bar that those first 20 minutes where they really could have gone way ahead... So Swallow were very dangerous throughout. And uh, of course, Mimo Berardi got on the score sheet. That's his uh, 10th goal against Milan. And uh, I, f- I think maybe if we tell him that uh, he's playing Milan instead of Portugal in March, maybe he'll get like a hat-trick. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think Milan suffered from the, the missing players? Obviously, not having Tomori at the back and um, Rebic still out for a while. So Rebic is an interesting one because I felt that the left wing is a little bit more vulnerable with um, Theo playing there. And uh, Rebic kind of gives him a little bit more um, protection. Whereas Leao, who was playing this week, is a little bit more offensive. And uh, Tomori is a big miss. With with him on the pitch, Milan have conceded 11 goals in 12 matches. And in the last uh, two games without him on the pitch, they've conceded seven goals. Um, now you look at seven goals. That's already a worrying stat. But in the two matches against uh, Fiorentina and Sassuolo, Milan uh, n- not only conceded seven goals, but they conceded uh, twenty-five shots. So uh, it's it's kind of a worrying stat, and it's it's normal, as I said last year, that teams uh, may drop uh, a little bit of the, off the pace at times in the season. But having played all the direct games against the seven sisters, this was the time for Milan to maybe start uh, breaking away. And possibly with uh, a big game to come from Napoli, which we've already discussed, it was a time to put some pressure on Napoli. Instead, not not very good performance, and uh, Sassuolo deserved the win. Yeah, and that what that result does do though is kind of reopen the title race, perhaps even even further with obviously Inter moving up to within one point of Milan, Atalanta also picking up points against Juventus this weekend, Kenny, which is obviously a big big result. Um, you watched this one. What was the um, was the overall deserved victory? Well, I, I mean, let me start off by saying, uh, putting that into context, you said it was a big result. It's the first time that Atalanta have beaten Juventus in Turin in Serie A since 1989, when uh, a certain Claudio Canigia was playing for Atalanta and scored the the winning goal. Uh, it was a huge, an absolutely huge result yeah. for, for Atalanta. It's, it's only form that's important, as the book is said. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that you're not the only person to talk about Atalanta being in a Scudetto race, and I would would be on Gasparini's uh, kind of page here by saying that let's keep our feet on the ground. If Atalanta can qualify for the Champions League again, that would be a sensational achievement four years in a row. And what this does is it puts seven points between Atalanta and Juventus, 
uh, is now looking like it's uh, Roma are the closest challengers really to, to for that fourth spot. Um, so an absolutely huge result in terms of the performance. It wasn't the the prettiest really to to be totally honest. Um, but I think that's kind of hard to avoid when you're playing against a, an Allegri side. And I mean, he's getting. Uh, I'm, I've particularly been quite critical of the, the football that Juve have been playing under Allegri. But I do think it's true that they tend to drag the opposition down to to their level. Uh, and Atalanta have to be praised for an incredible work rate, um, a sensational defensive performance. I mean. There was the the Juan Musso save, which happened, I think, about moments. It, it might have been a matter of two minutes or so um, after he went down, clutching his his left shoulder mm-hmm. in uh, in pain, and then a fingertip tip save to to deny uh, Rabio, I think it was. Uh, yeah. and I'm not obviously it was all- going in. I, I think it was. I think uh, when you see it from behind Rabio, I think it looks like it's kind of bending that way. But regardless, uh, incredible f- for him to pull that out, you know, moments after yeah, going down with that injury. He does very, very well to get to it. Absolutely. And to- there was a moment as well where Toloi, who has only recently come back from injury himself, uh, got back and put in an absolutely sensational uh, last-ditch tackle on on Chiesa, when for all the world it looked like uh, Juve were going to going to equalise. Uh, so I mean, Juve had their chances in this game, uh, but Atalanta just uh, worked their absolute socks off, and it wasn't one for the neutral really. But I mean, Atalanta Zapata took his his chance absolutely fantastically, uh, and when you're away from home against the highest spending team in Serie A, all you can do is celebrate uh, a result like that. I think uh, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, fantastic and fantastic to see Gasperini going back to, to Zingonia afterwards, appearing at like I think about eleven o'clock in the evening or something. Oh, no, it must have been later than that. But being being given a, a hero's welcome and actually getting out of the car to kind of be in amongst the fans and things, so this meant a lot, I think, to the to the people of Bergamo, and hopefully they've got this uh, monkey off their backs. Uh, yeah, uh, onwards and upwards, I think. Uh, one final point to to make that is that we all spoke about how Atalanta started the season a little bit uh, slowly. It is now official that Atalanta at this stage in the season have more points than they have ever had in uh, in Serie A. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And before just before we move on, we should though, uh, in complete contrast, look at it um, from the Juventus perspective, uh, capping off a pretty terrible week for them. Uh, obviously, the destruction of them by Chelsea in the Champions League. And then this police investigation. So it's over financial irregularities over several of the past seasons. We don't know too many of the details. We do know that their offices have been raided by the Italian police. Um, Anything to add? You've been following this story a bit more closely than me, Kenny. Yeah, well, I mean, Boas has also, I think, been been following. I think it's somewhere in the the high 200 uh, million euros worth of uh, transfer dealings that are being investigated. Essentially, the the suggestion is they've been cooking the books to make their uh, 
profits look better than they are, whether that's whether the the reasoning behind that we, we can't speculate, obviously, but certainly it would help with the things like financial fair play um and there are we have to be very careful because there are beyond footballing reasons there is the fact that juventus are are listed and have to report their uh, financial results to the the stock market um so this is something which is poss- possibly goes beyond football really uh, and it is uh, Agnelli, Nedved, and uh, Paratici, obviously uh, of uh, now of Spurs, who are uh, also personally under investigation as well as the club. And it's not; it it doesn't it doesn't look good. Um, it's it is part of a broader investigation involving other clubs. But I I think when we spoke about this at the time the story was breaking, I said I can't believe that um, you know all of these transfers that are being investigated are. Uh, Juventus and uh, and Napoli. It seems like the majority of them do involve actually Juventus, uh, and it's over the course of three seasons, I believe. So there have been all sorts of uh, suggestions about what sort of punishment could be dished out if they were found. What sort of sporting punishment could be dished out if they were found guilty? People are. I, I know that the Consumer Protections Association in Italy is uh, demanding that they have titles stripped from them and they get relegated to Serie B. There is precedent here um, with clubs having been deducted points for similar accusations. So, I mean, that could happen. Uh, we just don't know. Uh, we just don't know. And it's. Uh, I, I think the only thing that we can say is that it, it, it has been a horrible week, like you said, for Juventus. Uh, how big this story is going to be in the grander scheme, I guess we're yet to find out. But it doesn't look good. No, Definitely doesn't. Um, Baz, was there anything you wanted to add to that? There is not a lot I can add without uh, getting sued by anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> All I can say is that um, a lot of the the deals that are being looked at are to do with um, swap deals where players were assigned potentially inflated uh, prices. And there's also a couple of um, agents, including super agents, uh, Mino Raiola and George Mendes, whose uh, fees from certain transfers have been astronomical. Uh, the one that uh, sticks out the most is the 10.5 million that Mino Raiola made off the, the Licht deal, which is a, a nice payday. And uh, maybe this is something that touches on you guys a little bit, but apparently the Torino police uh, called, this, called this the Paratici method. So apparently he was in charge of making as much uh, fictitious... Uh, money on on these transfers as possible yeah i'm sure uh mr levy will be um won't be too happy to to hear that to be fair the way mr levy runs his club maybe now that he knows his the guy he's hired is a whiz at making the most out of uh allegedly fictitious transfers maybe he will be, be even happier maybe although i'm sure he won't like it that it's come to the attention of the true employees anyway we digress let's talk about the other team that are in the title race Inter obviously picking up points this weekend and um, out of the Champions League group for the first time in 10 years it's been a good week for Inter hasn't it Kenny yeah I mean I hope you're not preempting one of uh, the the upcoming segments there but well uh, I'm sure nobody would be able to guess who might be getting bad week (laughs) 
<laughs> well, let's. It's a mystery. Is all that is all I could say. Uh, yes, it's been a fantastic, a fantastic week for for Inter. I mean, uh, that huge, huge result last weekend. Uh, then qualifying from their group in the the Champions League for the first time in ten years. And can I just say kudos to Simone Inzaghi for guiding them to that, something that they, they didn't manage under the otherwise hugely successful Antonio Conte. Yeah, it, it's been fantastic. I, I have to hold my hands up and say, uh, well, hold my hands up for the second time uh, this week and say this wasn't one of the games that I, I watched, but I did see that the highlights of it. Uh, and by all accounts, it sounds like uh, Chananoglu had a, had a very good game, uh, just judging by, by the reaction of people who follow Inter uh, closely. Uh, it's looking. I, I think we we spoke two weeks ago, or I, maybe I wasn't here two weeks ago. Maybe it was three weeks ago um, when we spoke. I said that Inter were just about the third team in the the title race. Well, I mean that's that's been blown out of the water now. Um, shows you how much I know because. Uh, if Milan are still in the title race, then Inter absolutely are because they're only a point behind now. And the, if momentum is as important in sport as uh, people would have you believe, uh, and I, personally, I actually think there is a lot to that, then possibly it's beginning to look like after Milan losing two league games uh, on the spin Possibly, it's looking like Inter might be Napoli's biggest uh, biggest challengers. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic week for them. Yeah, it might be tricky for Milan to be retaining their winter champions title this uh, Christmas. The thought, but anyway, we will. That might be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it didn't bode well last time. That's true. Um, but yeah, still a few games to play and a midweek round coming up. No particularly uh well, well no clashes between the top eight but some definitely some potential banana skins for a few teams atalanta taking on venezia juve have got salonatana away inter spezia milan taking on genoa um what, what's your pick of these midweek games kenny yeah, it's uh, it's a bit like what you said, really. There's no obvious blockbuster. Uh, I think Fiorentina Samp looks quite quite interesting, to be honest. Uh, Samp have finally started to to kind of turn the corner. Fiorentina perhaps uh, are slightly going the other way um, after the result uh, against Empoli at the weekend. Uh, so I mean that could prove uh, that could prove a very very tricky uh, challenge for them. And could, I guess, see them fall out of the equation for, for Champions League if we actually believed that they, that they were in the, the Champions League race. I, personally, I think they would be happy with European qualification after what they've endured in, in recent seasons. The other one you probably have to look at as being quite interesting is Sassuolo Napoli, which I think is one that you actually picked out, Oscar, before we started recording uh, the, the thing to say about that is obviously that Sassuolo have had some huge results, uh, but they have also been very inconsistent. Uh, so, I mean, yes, they've they've beaten Milan and and Juve, but equally they've you know struggled. I mean, com- what what comes to mind? I think a point against Genoa. Uh, I think before they, they beat lost Milan to last week. Yeah, exactly. So, ten man who did like, consistency hasn't really been the sort of uh, 
the sort of buzzword at Sassuolo, unlike it was perhaps under under the Zerbi. So hey, those are probably the the two picks. Torino Empoli might be a lot of fun actually as well because uh, I I've I always kind of. Well, I, I have been enjoying watching Empoli any chance I've had to watch them this season since they came up. Uh, another great result, as I just mentioned at the weekend for, for them. Uh, and Juric's Torino as well, um, by all accounts, doing, doing well as well. Um, so, yeah, there are some interesting, there are some interesting ones. Uh, you, you're asking me for one, one pick, one pick of yeah, the week. Yeah, give us the Kenny pick of the week. Why is it? Kenny pick of the week. I'm going to go Fiorentina Samp. I mean, the romantic in me would have to mention uh, Genoa Minan just because it's the return of uh, one Andrei Shevchenko. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which was, it's There's be, narrative there as well. That's narrative. Very good. And yeah, so Kenny's pick, that's on Tuesday night. And Buzz, your pick is Wednesday night. So you can watch them both. Just before we move on to keeping up with the Italians, let's just formalize the good week, bad week, shall we? I don't think there's going to be much debate about this. Um, it was maybe a shout for Atalanta or Napoli for good week, but given the historical uh, significance of Inter's week, it's got to go to them, hasn't it? Yes, and given the European results of uh, Atalanta and, and Napoli. And it just appears that uh, Inzaghi's team are playing better with every match. They're not, they're not incredible, but they, they're improving with each and every match, which is what you need for a title run. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, losing 4-0 in the Champions League, being the subject of a police investigation. <laughs> uh, we can't look further than Juventus, also obviously losing that game to Napoli. And losing Federico Chiesa until the new year, yes. Tragic. Okay, let's um, leave it at that then. Bad week for Juventus. And how are the Italians abroad getting on, Buzz? First of all, in the Portuguese league, Maritimo Madeira... Uh, 1-2-0 against FC Paco Stefreira and there is an absolute peach from Stefano Beltrame I, I recommend checking the 2-0 goal out it's it's a beauty secondly I mentioned him last week and honestly I didn't think I would have to mention him again so soon but Federico Maceda got a brace for Panathinaikos and put their victory on ice next we have uh, Michele Bon who's managed in China Russia all, all sorts of uh, exotic destinations and he's just signed as the uh, manager of Zimbru Chisinau in the Moldovan top league and um, young uh, Nyoto Danyand who's uh, under 20 Italy under 21 uh, player and uh, I must say he's also 1 meter 68 scored the, the, the decisive header for FC Zurich against uh, young boys uh, thus taking his team to the top of the table and lastly um, one Jorginho scored a penalty against Man United for uh Chelsea, which was um, quite annoying for the Italy fans amongst us. And also, it seems like he's scoring penalties with the wrong Azui shirt. And uh, getting himself a third place in the Ballon d'Or, lest into the mix. I mean, if we want to keep up with the times, we've also got uh, young Gigi Donnarumma arriving 10th, I believe, in the Ballon d'Or final countdown and also getting the Levy Ashen Award. So uh, it's incredible that uh, a reserve keeper can win these awards nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, And yeah, while we're on that, we should also mention uh, Chiellini and Bonucci, I think, both placed in the top sort of 25. But let's, yeah, let's start off the honourables with that, just all the Italians that that placed in that list. Kenny, do you want to continue with your goals honourable for the week? 
Sure, sure. So we're seamlessly moving into the honorable and dishonorable mentions here. Um, but I'll, I, I, yeah, for me, it has to be Dries Mertens for uh, the first goal that he scored in Napoli's uh, second in that 4 0 mulling of Lazio. Uh, Boaz wanted uh, w- was lobbying for Scamacca to be to be given this uh, mock lobbying, his, mock lobbying, <laughs> mock lobbying, uh, because <laughs> of his admittedly excellent strike uh, against Milan. Uh, but I think just uh, if you watch the build up to Dries Mertens' goal, it's absolutely sensational. And I mentioned their first touch football earlier. I mean, I think they strung at least a dozen passes together in the build-up to that game, and at least half of them were one touch. They zipped the ball about, and then uh, Mertens just uh, absolutely cool as ice at the end. I mean, I think he sat a couple of defenders down and just, uh, yeah, placed it out of uh, Pepe Reina's reach. So just a glorious team goal. Uh, wonderful, wonderful to see. A fitting tribute to Diego Maradona. Um, and just to completely change track, unfortunately, Baz, very, um, I sort of double dishonorable for just generally disappointing and misogynistic behavior in the. In so, the uh, Skamaka in, in any other week would probably have got an honorable mention both for his goal, but Kenny's a very tough uh, judge. And also <laughs> for his uh, general work rate, he, he scored a goal and also created essentially Kiara's own goal. Unfortunately, um, his uh, social media uh, outing was far less impressive. He commented on one of his teammates' uh, celebratory posts. He commented, uh, we raped Milan, which um, in in any case is out of place in, tw- in 2021, but especially particularly on the day where Serie was highlighting the issue of violence against women is uh, a particularly uh, lackluster way to go about things. And it's a shame because uh, Skamaka is, uh, is, he should just let the football do his talking in any case. And on the subject of uh, inappropriate behavior and things that shouldn't happen on any day, let alone on this particular day, journalist Greta Beccaglia had her um, backside slapped by a random fan while she was just trying to do her job outside of the Impoli Stadium for the Impoli Fiorentina game, which again was a very sad sight. Fortunately, her um, the guy who slapped her has been identified by the police, and now he's uh, he's going to uh, go go to court about this. But uh, the reaction on social media by some people to also to this event was very disheartening. And again, we're in 2021; it's time to uh, progress a little bit. Yeah, thoroughly uh, disappointing incident and very deserved dishonorable. Um, let's just move past that. And Kenny. Wanted to give uh, an honourable to Gasparini. Yeah, yeah, I'm giving Gasparini an honourable for getting Coach of the Month award. Uh, I don't think beyond the the Juve game, I think the the other two games that Atalanta won this week, you would expect if Atalanta have harbor harbor ambitions to qualify for the Champions League, they would have uh, won those games. Uh, but nonetheless, nice to see Gasp recognised, and especially in light of that. That fact that I mentioned earlier, where it's their their best start in uh, in Serie A, so yeah, absolutely, absolutely an honourable for for that. And uh, now that Atalanta are getting all of their players coming back to fitness, a full back three, Hatibor back on the bench, Gozan's apparently on the verge of returning. Let's see what they can do in the the run up to Christmas and into twenty twenty two. Yep, and uh, on the topic of giving uh, kudos for. Tactical organization, Buzz, one for Fiorentina's perfect symmetry. 
assume this is about tactical symmetry. Is it? Not quite. This is something I picked <laughs> oh. up on when we had our uh, lengthy Fiorentina talk last week. And um, I, I, I wasn't quite sure this was right, but I'm looking at the stats again just to make sure. And, and uh, Fiorentina, have, in the last 14 games of this season, they've managed to win seven, lose seven. And in the past uh, six games, there's, they've won one, lost one, won one, lost one, won one, lost one. So, um, I mean, very bizarre record, no draws so far. And uh, very interesting to see how after what was otherwise a great performance against Milan, uh, they suddenly uh, drop points against uh, Impoli unexpectedly. And kind of takes the winds out of the sails of my prediction of uh, Fiorentina Sampdoria being an unpredictable game as well, I guess. It'll probably be a win now if, if this uh, record continues. Yeah. All right. Give us your uh, social media honorable for the week, Buzz. Um I'm not sure if it's an honorable or dishonorable, but um, when um, a famous... Uh, Italian Twitter account suggested that Napoli would go to Spartak Moscow wearing the V for Vendetta masks given the last game. The official Spartak Moscow account responded that they should wear a clown mask after the loss, which was was spectacular. Shots fired there. Yeah. Assisted with some sort of visual aids as well, I believe. Yeah. Some emojis. Uh, Kenny, your theme this week seems to be uh, just giving... Honorables to managers. What's Mihailovic done? Well, I, I don't know when Mertens got Spalletti's job. But uh, yeah, this is for Mihailovic. We, we spoke about it earlier. We spoke about Italy going into the, the playoffs and face, facing Portugal. And uh, just Mihailovic's positive outlook in the press conference where he was, uh, he was asked about this game. And he said, uh, look, Italy are a good team. Italy have to believe that they can go and win this game. Italy should Uh, well I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves here because Italy have to get past North Macedonia first Um, but uh, the the draw that would see them potentially face Portugal and he said that um, he he highlighted that Serbia had a very good game against Portugal and Portugal had a very bad game against Serbia so you know let's not all be quaking in our boots at this uh, upcoming upcoming playoff match potential upcoming playoff match Good positive note to end your uh, mentions on. Um, but Baz, you've got one more for uh, Empoli's social media. Yeah, this is uh, the men- the game we just mentioned where Empoli uh, were trailing the whole game and then uh, in the 84th minute scored an equalizer and then scored the winner in the 87th minute. The official social media channel posted, tweeted right after the game, it's over, we won. And... <laughs> And then after about a two-minute break, they were like, sorry, the graphic is coming soon. We've just been celebrating too wildly in this room right now. <laughs> Very good. And that's a local derby, so I understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can use that as an excuse next time you forget the image to go of our episode. I wonder how it will go down in any normal job, you know. Sorry, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was celebrating. <laughs> Couldn't get the report in. Yeah. I intend well, to use that during the Qatar World Cup on many occasions. Yeah. Well, which team are you going to be supporting, Kenny? Oh, well, there's a question. Uh, yes. <laughs> Whichever one I makes might be it su- might I, be the I answer. Hope that I'm, I hope that I'm supporting two teams in that tournament. I hope so too. <laughs> England and the Netherlands. You're a funny guy. On that funny note. <laughs> <laughs> that is time to wrap up the podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you then. Until then, enjoy the football. 
che sta decretando lo scudetto del Milan in questo preciso istante. La Juventus è campione d'Italia, questa data, il 6 maggio. Tutto anticipo, la Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.